You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. More advice to patch Bluekeep already. Facebook announces its planned launch of a cryptocurrency, Libra, and is greeted with considerable acclaim and at least as much skepticism. Updates on alleged power grid cyber operations, catfishing and the adaptation of traditional espionage craft in the digital age, and cheap sunglasses turn up as fish bait in compromised social media accounts. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, June 19, 2019. If you haven't patched Bluekeep yet, you might want to get on the bandwagon. Microsoft and NSA have urged you to do it, and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency this week has said users should patch vulnerable systems immediately. It certainly looks as if it would be unwise to sleep on this one. Facebook will soon launch its own cryptocurrency, Libra, complete with its own wallet, Calibra. The announcement prompted concerns from regulators and legislators in the U.S., France, and Germany over antitrust, privacy, banking, and sovereign currency policy. We've got some follow-up on stories that broke earlier this week. First of all, that news alleging that the U.S. implanted malware in Russia's power grid in an apparent move toward deterring Russian cyber attacks against the U.S. remains where it was when the New York Times broke its story at the beginning of the week. Observers tend to regard the alleged activity as problematic, but nonetheless arguably legitimate as a deterrent or reprisal. Note again that the New York Times story describes preparation, not actual attacks. Argentina's blackout remains under investigation, but the likelihood that it was caused by a cyber attack seems increasingly remote. IEEE Spectrum's account of preliminary findings suggests that the outage was caused by disconnection of two 500-kilowatt transmission lines. The failure took place in the section of Argentina's interconnection system that supplies the grid with power generated by two major hydroelectric plants. One of the lines seemed to have failed in a short circuit, The other appears to have been disconnected by an automated system. Automatic load-shedding mechanisms that ought to have contained the outage failed for reasons still unknown. Investigation is in progress, but it seems likelier that the outages were the result of accidental failures than they were of a cyber attack. Many organizations, in addition to threat and vulnerability detection, are implementing micro-segmentation, enhanced access controls, and zero trust to better protect themselves and their employees. Tom Hickman is Vice President of Engineering at Edgewise Networks. 
One way that I think about this problem space is really personal. I've been um, building and deploying SaaS solutions since 1999-2000. I was in networking management before that. And in, in year 2000, started working at a company that was doing early stage software as a service before software as a service was even a term that was in vogue. Hmm. And what we faced was a nearly constant threat of attack that, again, you know, early days of cloud computing, early days of, you know, the sort of ubiquity of awareness about cybersecurity threats. And I've been either fortunate or unfortunate to always be working in companies that were data rich, that were, you know, extremely relevant targets for espionage or for, um, for you know, cyber risk and uh, data exfiltration. So I've kind of been in the front lines of what has been, you know, a cyber cold war for a long time as the cold war is, has heated up. And from that perspective, the kind of modern view of, of the threat landscape, which which essentially presumes that, you know, there's two kinds of companies, those that will be breached and those that have been breached, <laughs> couldn't be more true. And that, I think, is, is really what's kind of led me on my personal journey to kind of feel a, you know, strong sense of resonance with the zero trust position and messaging. What's the evolution there? What's new about this? What's new about Zero Trust is really sort of taking a, a more, from our perspective here at Edgewise, a more app-centric and app-aware slice, really, across the security controls that you put in place, right? Traditional firewalls looked at north-south traffic, they looked at IP address port, and were subject to, a, you know, just tremendous complexity as networks got more complex as microservices became on vogue as ephemeral and auto scaling infrastructure came into place and where we come in and and what i think the evolution of the industry really is is to be more granular in the sense of looking explicitly at applications that are communicating on the wire and then more resilient i think to change where we're able to look at things that are statistical aberrations and begin to layer controls over things that are anomalous, right? So you could think of it almost as uh, intrusion detection on your east-west communications inside your network. So it would be, you know, things like from your data tier to your app tier. Now, suppose I'm someone who's going about my day-to-day -day business, working in an organization that has, that has adopted zero trust and things like micro-segmentation. What's going to be different for me? Anything? I think day-to-day, -day, nothing will be different except you'll be in a more secure position and you'll be less likely to have data exfiltration from spreading from any sort of toehold that an attacker might get in a network. Again, taking this from a personal perspective and part of why I'm excited to be here and be building this solution, as a DevOps practitioner, my day-to-day -day life gets easier when a solution like what we're building here at Edgewise is in place. I could bore you with war stories for hours about the number of times that I've been wakened from a cold dead sleep at three in the morning because the network team did firewall change and the app that I'm responsible for, that my teams are responsible for, suddenly stops working, right? Mm. Where today, what we're able to do as application-aware micro-segmentation, the firewall changes of your are essentially obsolete and we would deploy our solution into an environment where the policy is sort of already you know essentially pre-configured and by virtue of that we don't have the late night uh, wake-up calls we don't have 
the rollback of firewall changes to have to kind of peel back, you know, with a gun to our head because we just induced a service outage. I'm curious, are, are there some positive, uh, unexpected consequences? I'm, I'm imagining that through this process you could uncover uh, incidences of well-intended shadow IT. Well-intended shadow IT, and, and then just, I think, also in general, the level of complexity of any large distributed system is approximately unknowable by any one person. So not only do you get to see the the shadow IT, you get to see the systems that have been set up and deployed that are doing key critical business services that you had no idea about. Hmm. You also get to see a topology map and a, and a kind of 10,000-foot view of the way that your core and key business services work. That's Tom Hickman from Edgewise Networks. In the wake of stories about catfishing on social media, where Ms. Katie Jones turned out to be nobody at all, just a face generated by AI and an impressive resume designed to draw the eye of policy and security wonks, ZDNet took a look back at recent FBI counterintelligence warnings. The Bureau advised current and former holders of U.S. government clearances of the ways in which foreign intelligence services are using social media to recruit sources. The approaches they discuss show the ways in which long-familiar techniques for recruiting agents are being easily adapted to an online world. The Bureau says foreign intelligence services have, for example, been operating booths at technical trade shows. These are obviously booths for front organizations, organizations that appear to be what they aren't. Nobody is going to show up on the floor of RSA or Black Hat with a pull-up banner that says, GRU, Innovation for a Better World, or Lazarus Group, Working with You to Build the Future, or Fancy Bear Thinks Disruptive Technologies Are Just Right. At least we've never seen them. No, the booth would be for, let's say, the Acme Company, and they'll want to scan your badge, and they'll be happy to exchange business cards. At least some of the people approached at the shows gave personal information because they apparently wanted to stop the booth's people pestering them. Hey, I don't have purchase authority. Why do you still want to sell me something? Look, look, here's my card. Good luck to you. Don't take this the wrong way, but I'm going to go across the aisle and I'm going to get a free t-shirt. Have you ever had such a conversation? Most of us have. The personal information exchanged was minimal, usually just a business card, but useful nonetheless. The Foreign Intelligence Services followed up with requests to connect over social media. Ever connected with someone because you vaguely remember meeting them at a conference and maybe you're worried you were rude, so you want to be nice? Yeah, us too. And finally, who doesn't like cheap sunglasses? Well, Ray-Bans aren't cheap. They'll run you between 150 and 200 bucks. But what if they could be had for cheap? Would you jump at the chance to pick up some Wayfarers for 90% off? What's that you say? You just saw an ad on a friend's Instagram wall? You don't say. Well, don't believe it. Don't click and don't go there. It is, of course, a scam. And it's not just Ray-Bans being dangled either. Other famous brands are being spoofed as well. The scammers use hijacked accounts to chum social media with their fishbait. If you see this kind of thing on one of your friend's accounts, let the friend know. Their account may have been hijacked. Recovery of an Instagram account that's been wrenched away from you has been notoriously difficult, but as Naked Security points out, Instagram has just said it's made the process easier and less painful. According to Naked Security, which is published by security firm Sophos, you can recommend that your friend first change their Instagram password, make it a strong one, 
Second, set up two-factor authentication. And third, take a look at access they've granted to third-party apps or services, and revoke any they don't recognize or use or ones that look suspicious. The chance of getting some discount aviators just isn't worth it. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture. I wanted to touch today on tabletop exercises, and I wanted to get your take on what's good, what's bad, what's the right approach, what's not. You have some uh, good opinions here. What can you share? When I think about tabletops, my geeky mind goes to Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that we played in the 80s and the 90s. In fact, Dave, I don't know if yeah, you know this, but yeah. they're still playing Dungeons and & Dragons, and it's just as popular today. It's a great my social son, interaction. I will, uh, to my son, Jack, who people know because he comes on the show every now and then, <laughs> just started learning Dungeons & Dragons. So it is alive and well, and I, I, it makes me smile. But awesome. yes, go on. <laughs> so tabletops in the cyber defense aspect, there's kind of a spectrum. On the light end, there is your typical D&D style approach. You have all the executives around a table you have a game master aka dungeon master that says <laughs> okay and i've seen various iterations of this there's the classic just make it all verbal paper based i've seen one of our competitors out there they have a little card game there's <laughs> all sorts of approaches to this but it's essentially a role-playing exercise where you're at the table and the dungeon master or the game master says uh now uh someone has encrypted all of your customer data and and they hand him a card maybe with some of the technical details and the ciso looks at it and says oh my gosh and and she runs over to legal and brings them over it's a very big paperwork exercise and then on the other end of the spectrum 
there is what I would consider full-blown simulation, but not in your environment. So there are facilities out there that people that are cropping up that people are going to and they're bringing their executive team like the CISO, the director of IR, legal, PR, marketing. They all show up at a third party site. All the systems are laid out. They go through the motions of a normal day and then they're hit with a cyber attack and they bring in actors playing CNN reporters. And it's very executive centric. In my opinion, the best approach to this is a hybrid approach, Hmm. which is doing it in the environment of the organization. I like to run scenarios where we're in their environment, where they are comfortable using their own systems. So we've done simulations where we take one of their laptops and we load some indicators of compromise on there, not live malware, but sometimes we'll put on some (laughs) inoculated malware, some indicators that are definitely going to trip the AV and Mm -hmm. we go hide the laptop in the building. Um, we, We like to see a scenario where you force the technologists and the executives to get out of their comfort zone. And for me, that is the most important thing. It's really making them uncomfortable, not just to go through their emotions and it's just a normal day of work and they high five at the end of the day and it's Miller time. I'm talking about really presenting them some of the hardest questions and hardest scenarios that we've had to deal with. For example, one of the scenarios that we run that is based upon a real case is uh, executives love to say, yes, we're not going to pay any ransom. It doesn't matter. We are a no ransom environment. So if we get held for ransom, we're just going to restore for backups. Hmm. And that's when the dungeon master or the game master looks at them and says, okay, your manifest for all of your backups that you have at your offsite backup is now encrypted. What are you going to do? And they look at they say, oh, gee, we didn't anticipate this. Okay, we're going to recover. Okay, it's going to take you 60 days to recover. And in that period of time, you're not going to be able to ship product or take money because your ERP system is down. Oh, gosh. So now you're looking at, do you go bankrupt or you put 50,000 people out of work or do you pay the ransom? I'm not, Let me roll a 20-sided die yes. and see how that comes out. <laughs> it's more like a Sophie's Choice, right? It's like, <laughs> right, do you pick right. this over principles or do you pick this over restoring that? You know, back to the tabletops thing, I really like to see custom-made scenarios that are really tailored for that industry and that really throws the curveballs out to make them think through some of these problems. So if and when it does happen, they feel like they have a, enough information around that. And from the technology perspective, you know, we've worked cases where we interface with a forensics team for during a breach and we say, well, you need to go collect these 25 images. And they say, do you realize there's only me and this other guy? Like there's only two of us. We can't collect and analyze 25, 50, 100 machines in parallel. So by making the technologists uncomfortable or or putting them also through their paces, it really helps to underscore and uncover where there are some gaps and deficiencies with that sort of uh, scenario. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a real eye-opener for everybody. It's one of my favorite things to do is to scare everybody uh, in in these environments. I don't like scaring them when the real stuff happens. I like putting them through and, and making them feel uncomfortable so that we don't have to come back so that they are a little bit more prepared and able to defend themselves in today's threat-centric industry or and, and market. Yeah. All right, Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? 
With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.